Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Hey everyone, in this video we are going to be talking about the spiritual practices of meditation and confession. The word meditation, how does that word specifically make you feel? Maybe you're comfortable with it and meditation is a helpful practice in your everyday life. Or maybe that word reminds you of something that is evil or anti-Christian. However you feel about that word, I want to challenge you to lay down those feelings for a moment and come with me as we talk together about Christian meditation. My favorite definition of the practice of Christian meditation is a long, slow look at God. Long and slow. That's kind of the opposite of the speed of our culture, isn't it? We want same-day shipping, and we want to be able to skip the line, and we need our phones to be faster and slimmer, and we, we, we love the instant gratification that comes from the internet. But long and slow, that is a challenge. Now, Christian meditation is not about, you know, moving off to an island and sitting on the beach with your legs crossed and exploring the, the emptiness of your mind and trying to find your true self. That's, that's not what it, it's about. Christian meditation is about filling ourselves with what is true about God. Filling our words, our heart, and our mind with what is true about God. Christ-centered meditation is a spirit-enabled and Christ-centered focus on the love and power and holiness of God. This is very different than other forms of meditation that we would find in a religion like Buddhism or Hinduism. In typical Eastern meditation, the purpose is to empty your mind in order to explore your inner self or, or your true self so that you can achieve a kind of perfection or a state of, of personal salvation. Now, what I want you to notice is that if we are taking a long, slow look at God, the focus is not on ourselves, but on God. So we could talk lots about the different forms of meditation and, and we don't have time to get into all of that. But what I want you to notice is that Christian meditation is different from many different forms because the focus is not about emptying your mind, it's about filling your mind. It's not a focus about exploring yourself, it's a focus on looking at God. And as we do that, He then transforms us and changes us through our long, slow look at Him. So if Christian meditation is not a focus on ourselves, but a focus on God, that means we're focusing on the elements of who God is, and we're looking at and thinking about the things that God is actually offering to us. As we think about his holiness, we consider his grace, we consider his love, and we let those thoughts meditate and recycle through our hearts and through our mind. And this is where scripture is a really important element of the practice of Christian meditation because the words in our Bibles become the fuel for 
our long, slow look at who God is. Often, I like to meditate while I run. I mean, look, it's beautiful out here today. As I focus on God's creation, sometimes I, I ponder the elements of God's character, like His holiness and how amazing it is that He would invite me, a, a person, into His holy presence through Jesus. Or sometimes I recite scripture, something that I memorize that's short and, and easy for me to repeat over and over. And as I run and as I'm taking a long, slow look at God, I allow his truth to just cycle over in my mind, in my heart, and through my words. And as I do that, you know, nothing magical necessarily happens. But what's happening is I take a long, slow look at God, I find myself connecting to him and recognizing his presence all around me and his presence through his spirit within me. Christian meditation doesn't require any you know, physical poses or any chants or, or phrases that unlock some kind of state of being for us. Christian meditation starts with a relationship with Jesus that allows us to communicate and receive from God the Father. It then requires a heart that is postured in humility to say, God, I set aside everything else and my focus is on you. Please fill me. Please speak to me and please reveal your truth to me. If you're wondering where do I start with meditation, I want to encourage you to start with the words of scripture. The book of Psalms is a great place to start. It's a collection of, of prayers and stories and language that encapsulate who God is. Those words in the book of Psalms will become fuel for your spirit-enabled, Christ-centered focus on God the Father. Now here's a word that makes us feel uncomfortable. Confession. When I was in grade one, I stole a Hot Wheels car from my teacher's prize box at school. And when I got the car home, I felt so guilty that I didn't even want to play with it. When I finally confessed to my mom you know, what I did, um, she said, well, we should really talk to your teacher about it tomorrow. And I'll never forget sitting across from Mrs. Stemler in grade one and the relief that I felt confessing what I did and then you know, zooming this car back across the table. Confession makes us really uncomfortable, but it's only through confession that we actually receive forgiveness. The practice of confession is when we open up the bad in our lives towards God, and we invite him into our brokenness and sin and, and sinful decisions. And as we do that, God then brings us into the healing process where in Christ we are forgiven from our sin, but we can also experience the reality of that forgiveness. Before I confessed my sin of stealing this car to my teacher, when I confessed it to God, I, I, had, I had received the forgiveness of the consequences of stealing this car. But through my confession to my teacher, then the healing process began in the physical consequences of my sin, and my teacher could trust me again. I recognize that you may be dealing with something that is, you know, much bigger than a, a Hot Wheels car. But whatever the thing is that you are walking through that you may need to confess, the forgiveness and love of Jesus is powerful enough and strong enough to forgive you from that thing.
And so my encouragement to you is to open up that portion of your life to God and allow his healing and forgiveness to work through the power of confession. Psalm 32 describes for us David's thoughts and some of his feelings around the practice of confession. In verse 1 and 2, David says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. As David is saying, you know, the one who is forgiven is blessed, or the one whose sin is covered is blessed. What he's saying is that 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 person has already confessed their sin. God can't forgive something that we don't open ourselves up to him for. We can't receive forgiveness unless we confess. Then he continues in in verse 3. He says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up like in the heat of summer. I like the image of these last couple of verses because you, you could read it in saying, you know, God is, is, is punishing David as he's pressing his hand on him. But what I see is God prodding and pushing David back into relationship with him so that David then realizes that he needs to come to this place where he can confess his sin and open his brokenness towards God and allow him to forgive. Forgiveness happens on the other side of confession. So we've talked about meditation and how it is a long, slow look at God. A spirit-enabled, Christ-centered focus on the glory, power, and love of God. Then we spoke about confession and how confession is when we open up the bad in our lives to God. And we invite him in to bring the reality of the forgiveness and grace and mercy of Jesus into our sin and brokenness. And so what I want to talk about now is how do these two ideas actually work together as spiritual practices? So I'm going to draw something here and it's going to help illustrate. So let's say I'm, I'm the example here. So let's just draw me. That looks like me, I think. So I'm meditating. I'm taking a long, slow look God, here's my thought bubble, and I'm thinking about God's love, his justice, his grace, and his power, and I'm feeling great. I'm connecting with God, and I'm I'm receiving his love, but as I look at the glory and power and majesty of God's perfection, and then I think about who I am and my not so great moments in my sin, then it starts to cause me to reflect on my own brokenness in light of God's perfection. So this then leads me to consider my own sin and brokenness. As I'm considering my sin and my flaws, I then need to confess. And as I do that, I then open myself up to the love and grace and forgiveness that we receive from the Father. Then, as I confess my sin, I can then receive forgiveness. Because through the cross, 
we receive the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. And then this begins to work as a cycle. Because when I receive the grace and forgiveness of Jesus, it then causes me to think about his love and his power. And I begin to recycle the thoughts of God's grace in my heart and in my mind. And as I do that and I behold God's perfection, I then come to realize the areas that I have not yet been made perfect, which then leads me back to confession, which then leads me back to experiencing the grace and forgiveness of God. And so we see here through this practice of meditation and confession, it almost becomes a rhythm that begins to shape us into the image of Jesus. And so my hope and my challenge for you is that you would take this practice of meditation and confession and begin to practice it, not for the sake of just doing it, but for the sake of connecting to the heart of God and being shaped into the image of Jesus through the rhythms of his grace. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yes. So um, we have on, on the far side here Tony Stevens. Tony has been a part of Koinonia for what did you say earlier? Thirty years. Well, well, I'm turning thirty in November, so thirty years. Let's go. So awesome. I'm I'm excited that um, Tony is a part of our conversation because he's a really great friend. He's he's a, a really faithful man, and he's so full of God's wisdom and His grace. And so I, I know that as we. As we talk, he's going to share some things that will be helpful. Tony works at Economical um, Insurance for his, you know, to make money. Um, uh, he, he is um, an IT specialist, and so he does a lot of hands-on work. But he's also really good with people. So he helps all of the, like, big people at Economical who, like, can't figure out how to do stuff. Um, Tony do stuff with is, Computers. Computers. <laughs> Computers. Tony is filled with God's grace, and so he can help them, and it's, they're, they're very blessed to have him on their team. And also we have Dot Turner. And Dot, how, you've been a part of Koenia for how many years? It'll be 33 years in October. Wow, incredible. I haven't even been alive for that long. You guys have just been investing here. Well, we'll round up for you. It's fine. Um, so Dot and her husband, John, uh, have been a part of Koenia for many years, and Nathan Turner is their son um, on our pastoral team, and their family has expanded and grown, and you've got, you've got family all over the place um, sharing the love of God. Mm-hmm. So awesome. So thank you guys for being a part of our conversation. So where I want to start, um, and, and Dot, maybe we can start with you. I, I'm curious if we could just kind of more generally, before we center in on confession and meditation, are there, or, or maybe, what, what kind of lies or misconceptions have you had about spiritual practices in general? Because when we talk about spiritual practices, it's really easy to, you know, think about the checkbox thing, is this is something I got to do. So I'm curious, what, how have you experienced some misconceptions and how have those kind of been reconciled? Right. Um, well, in my earlier Christian experience, uh, I was, had a misunderstanding about justification by faith. And uh, I, I just thought there has to be more to it than just believe. You know, the, the gospel is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And uh, I recognized that, but I, th- I just felt that there had to be more to it than just belief. Um, I, I didn't understand righteousness through faith in Christ. And uh, so I tried in my own strength, 
by my own efforts to please God. And of course, you can't do it. It's like being under the law, right? You know, instead of resting in what Jesus has done, here am I trying to work hard to get, be pleasing to God, you know. Yeah, that's exhausting. It is. That's right. You can't do it. And so consequently, I had guilt, feelings of guilt and condemnation a lot of the time, you know. But um, over the years, I really began to get a grasp of the fact that I believe in Jesus and he has done it all. He is sufficient and he took my sin. And so now he lives in me and he can live through me. And because of that, I can obey God through his power, and I'm acceptable to him. And uh, so things changed for me, you know, as I came to that understanding. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Dot. I, I want you guys to notice, did you notice that Dot didn't say, one day a light shone from heaven and I had this revelation? She said, over the years. Years. Sometimes my hope is that, and I'm sure <laughs> your guys too, is that God would just like, and just fix me. <laughs> nice but that's that, it took it was a process right it, it takes time for us to to live and walk in those rhythms of grace yeah absolutely yeah yeah so, okay sorry did you want to add anything i was else, just Don? gonna say yeah, it made please. all the difference you know being able to rest in what jesus has done and know that out of that his power is available to yeah. be able to obey god yeah thank you um, Tony, same question for you. Did you have any, or, or maybe what misconceptions or kind of lies did you have around spiritual practices? Yeah, I think two came to mind pretty quick. Um, and they're both kind of like negatives of things to avoid. So mm-hmm. the first is like struggling with the danger of wanting to copy someone. You know, we all see Nick being very cool, meditating and running at the same time. I can barely run, um, much less meditate on the Lord while I do it. So... <laughs> I think there's always a good reminder that when we hear people talk about their spiritual practices, that it may not look the same for us. And, you know, looking out, I see lots of parents. I see people with different careers. I see and lots of people who have different life circumstances. So what spiritual practice may work for me may not work for you and vice versa. And then I think the second thing is, is, Uh, we tend to always try to set up like endless spiritual practices. Like every morning from now until I pass away, I'm going to get up and read my Bible. And that's just not sustainable. And also that's a setup for failure because one morning you're not going to get up and you're not going to read your Bible and then you're going to feel like your streak is done and do I have to switch up my practices? Do I try the evening? So what I've tried to do more of is shorter but sustainable practices from like, I'm going to listen to one podcast a week until like, like for 10 weeks. Or I recently challenged myself like this uh, earlier this year. I read the Bible in one month. Um, wow. Yeah, that was, that was quite a challenge. Um, but then after that, I actually kind of, I did read my Bible, but I, I paused for a bit because that was just a lot to take in. Yeah. Um, so I think just start with something that's a goal that you can manage and then that gives you the freedom when that one ends to go, hey, maybe this summer season, it's much easier for me to do an early morning Bible read. Or maybe when school starts and the kids are in school, I can actually do more of a formal devotion time at a certain time every day. But those endless practices are just, they can just be really like grinding. Yeah, that's so practical. Thank you, Tony. That's, that's super practical. 
Um, okay, thank you guys. I want to I narrow our conversation in a little bit to, to meditation and confession. So, um, Tony, maybe you can speak to a little bit. How do you deal with distraction when you're, like, praying, when you are, you know, walking the dog and you're trying to, like, focus on, you're trying to focus on that long, slow look? What do you do to, like, deal with distraction? Again, for me, it's very practical, and it's something that uh, my wife, Claire, has been really good about encouraging me on. It's just, li- like, leave the phone behind. Like, leave- don't bring it. Because if it's in the pocket, I'll, it'll ding, and I'll check a work email. Or if I had headphones in, it's easy, like, oh, I'm going to listen to a worship playlist, but then I switch it up. Or just leave it behind. And, you know, I, again, I don't know what your life situation is, but for me... I- I can walk for 15 minutes around my neighborhood without my phones. It'll be fine. Someone can come find me if need be. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. Have you had any emergencies where you need to be interrupted? N- no, we do have uh, our first child coming in October 4th. So probably around that time, I'll <laughs> always travel with my phone. Um, but no, like, but that's, but that's also a mentality thing where like, can I live in the freedom that, Actually, life is kind of out of my control, so I can be disconnected for 15 minutes. Like, my work, my company, even my family, even my wife, like, she's very capable. They'll be fine without me for 15 minutes. And if they're not fine, they're in the hands of God. Just like they were when I had my phone on me. (laughs) So... So just, that's for me, it's more practical. I leave the, when I really want to meditate or focus, I got to leave the phone behind, the headphones behind, the book behind, and, like, truly... Get rid of the distractions. Mm, that's good. Dot, same for you. How do you deal with distraction? Um, well, um, one of the things I've found really helpful is to memorize scripture. Mm. So, you know, you don't have to take your phone with you or even your Bible, but um, you commit it to memory. And then, and I know that you have done this. I, I heard you saying when you run, you, yeah. yeah, that's it. And I found that has helped me tremendously because. Uh, you know, when you're out and about, uh, you can drive in the car or something, you can easily turn your attention towards a scripture that you've memorized. And uh, I, I've just found that helpful, particularly to be able to avoid the distractions. And of course, everyone deals with a wandering mind, you know? Yeah. And when I'm reading the word, and I've, I've found that, um, that my mind has wandered, you know, you're reading through the gospel or something, and you're reading the words, but you're thinking about what you're going to make for dinner, totally. something like that, you know, yes. that's right. That happens to you me, know. like, every time, I, yeah. I should probably have a snack first. Jesus does talk <laughs> about food a lot, so it's really, like, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of fishes and loaves in the gospels. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so, and I know that it's easy when you read the Bible to kind of skim the surface, you know, instead of going deeper. And I think, uh, say, memorizing just a scripture, a one or two, you know, even a pa- sort of a short passage, it just helps you to go deeper. It mm. gives you that fuel, yeah. and you can recall it. And uh, in fact, it's just been, for me, an adventure. I enjoy it. I enjoy memorizing scripture. I enjoy meditating on the word. And meditation has become more um, attractive to me since I've been uh, memorizing scripture. Because I find it's easy. You know, even in the night, um, you know, sometimes I might be awake for a while, right? I don't know anybody else have this problem, but just wake up. I heard everybody here sleeps all night. Is that right? Amazing. 
<laughs> yeah. So, you know, I might be sound asleep and suddenly I'm awake and uh, so awake that I just don't seem to be able to go back to sleep. But eventually, when I get my th mind organized, um, I will recall some of the scripture I've memorized. And as I speak it over to myself very slowly, could be Psalm 23, could be Psalm 91. But as I do that, gradually before you know it, I'm fast asleep. So, I'm kind of jealous of what you just described. I don't know, did anybody else feel that way when Dot is saying, I actually love memorizing scripture. I, maybe some of you love that. But how did you get to that point where you, you were like, wow, I, I can't wait to, to do this? Because that's kind of what I heard in your voice. Right. And maybe it goes back to, you can, you can fill this in, but I'm curious if it goes back to what you shared at the beginning about resting in God's grace and you know, memorization is yeah. not something I must do. So right. say more about that. Well, um, through the years, as you are in church and you read the Bible and you, um, you know, you're hearing scriptures and teaching, you become familiar, don't you, with the word, Yeah. you know. And so in that way, you can recall it and you, you can speak it out and you can confess it and everything. But um, I, I thought maybe I should just be a bit more purposeful about this. And uh, I saw a book, uh, and it was called 101 Scriptures to Memorize by Robert Morgan. And uh, so I said, John, can you order that for me, my husband? And he did. And it encouraged me a lot to, as I read that book and showed me the value of uh, memorization of Scripture. And it's really been so, so helpful to me to do that. Yeah. And I feel I'm in the sort of beginning stages of it. And, you know, I mean, we've got a whole Bible to memorize and it's a long time, you know, but... <laughs> that sounds like uh, you an know, internal practice. Yeah, that's right. But it's good. You know, you make a start and you just keep going on from there and, and yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to say it's comforting to hear Dot describe herself as in the beginning stages of a practice. Yes. Well, because yes. that, that's great that there's hope for all of us at whatever age that we can be beginning, we can be growing, that there's not an arrival point. Yeah. yeah I'm, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give you a bit of a prompt here, Tony, and you can share. Um, so a while ago, we were talking about um, in the area of fitness, how it's okay to be a beginner. And this reminded me of that. And I wonder if you could connect those two things. Like how, just in the area of our spiritual practices, whether that's memorizing scripture or whatever, um, maybe you could share a bit about what you've learned about being okay with being a beginner. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when it comes to the area of fitness, um, I've never been really great at like keeping to a fitness plan or that. I, I've kind of been blessed naturally with a body that seems to keep itself fairly neutral throughout the years, but that will probably change as I get older. Uh, but then I met my lovely wife and we, when we first started dating, we would go to the gym together. And that was a very uh, interesting experience for me because she knew what to do. She was faster, better, quicker, lots of the time at it. And I would just get very frustrated because there's this thought that as we get older and I'm, you know, I'm only turning 30. I know there's people here slightly above that. Um, we think that because we're a certain age, we should just know things. We should just, you know, I, you know, I've been a Christian for 25 years. I should just know how to memorize scripture. I should just know how to implement a spiritual practice. But for me, when it came to fitness, there was a humility where I had to be like, you know what? I'm 27 years old. 
I don't know how to start an exercise program. I don't know how to set myself up. I don't even know how to use certain gym equipment. And so it was asking Claire, it was asking Nick, who's a runner. It was, you know, trying things and failing and trying again. Again, that, um, you know, for 10 weeks, I'm going to try to do this as opposed to for all year, I'm going to. Um, And so I think for anyone here, um, don't be afraid of being a beginner, whether you've been sitting in this church since the day it was founded, or whether this is your first Sunday here, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Um, it's okay to be a beginner. It's okay to be a beginner scripture reader. It's okay to be a beginner churchgoer or maybe worship. I don't know, whatever spiritual practice we want to pick. And I love what you said where you didn't just decide that you wanted to memorize scripture and then figured out your own way to do it. You saw a book that prompted you and you learned from someone else. Um, so I think that's so open. And I think especially when it comes to Bible reading and the word and meditation, um, we haven't done a great job of portraying actually how difficult it is to get into the Bible or understand it. Um, so I think there's so many great resources out there like the Bible project, like the Bible app on your phone that can just, it's okay to be a beginner for all of us. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, oh, this is, we could talk for a long time about these things. Probably could. Yeah, okay. Let's shift our, let's shift our um, focus over to confession. Uh, as I said in the video, confession is something that makes us quite uncomfortable. And um, I've shared that story about the Hot Wheels car before, but I'll never forget that, like, super heavy feeling in my stomach. It was being like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Um, and so I asked Tony and Dot if they had any stories that they thought would be helpful for us along those similar lines as we start into confession. So Dot, maybe you could share your story with us. Sure. Okay. Okay. So um, when I was a child, I became a Christian. But the, in the early years of my teens, I just slipped away. We, we call it backslidden, and that's what I was. But God was working in my heart and drawing me. His love was so powerful. You know, it wasn't what people said to me, but I just sensed the love of God. And he was just drawing me back to himself. So when I came back to the Lord, I was about 17, there was something I needed to deal with, just like you needed to deal with your Hot Wheels car. Um, In my backslidden state, I had been to a store, and it wasn't that long before this time, that uh, I had seen a red two-piece bathing suit. And I stole it. Would you believe that? I stole it. So anyway, I had this back at home. I'm getting right with God and things are great. But I have this conviction on the inside of me. I have to do something about this. You know, I really do. I, I have it. I can go back to the store. I can confess what I've done. I can even pay for it. So I did. I went back to the store. It's called Lewis and Highlands, and uh, it was in Ramsgate, our hometown in Kent. This is England, of course. And uh, I went and spoke to a sales assistant, and I told her the story in brief. She said, I'm going to get the manager. So she got (laughs) the manager. (laughs) How old were you, Dot? 17. 17, okay. Yes. So you're stressed at this point? Uh, Just a bit, yeah. (laughs) So he said, he heard me, and he said, let's go and sit down. So we went and sat down, myself, him, and the sales representative. And uh, anyway, we spoke about it, and I said I wanted to pay for it. I told him that I had become a Christian, 
and it wasn't the right thing to do. And I wanted to come and own up and I want to pay for it. And he and the, the lady, they were absolutely blown away. You know, they were shocked. Yeah. Yeah. They, were, they were astonished. You know, he, he said, this kind of thing doesn't happen, <laughs> right. you know. And so I said, I want to pay for it. He didn't want me to pay for it. I mean, he didn't. He didn't want any money. So in the end, we came, we negotiated. <laughs> and um, he agreed to accept one pound, you know. So we're going back a while. So that was quite a bit of money back then, right. uh, you know. But um, it was like, it was just part of repentance, yeah. right? Confession. Yeah. And it was important. And I knew it was to God. And uh, so I was able to do that and... It was great. It was a real testimony to these two people as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how God is able to use those kinds of things, eh? I'm not sure if my grade one teacher would necessarily say the same because I think that probably happened all the time in her classroom. <laughs> but I'll never forget the look on her face being like, I can't believe this grade one kid is telling me something wrong that he did. And, <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, I can't believe my mom is making me do this. <laughs> but, but that... That practice and that push to do that has so shaped me, even as an adult. Because, like, just a month ago, I had to go and have a conversation with somebody to say, hey, I made a mistake, and I messed this thing up, and I know it affected you, and I'm sorry. And, I, and my grade one self, you know, wouldn't have been ready for that. But because of how I allowed God to use that serious discomforting confession, and same with what you're saying, the way that the salespeople responded, the spirit was able to, to be at work. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it is important. It's important for us, but it's important to humble yourself and go before others, like you say. Um, and there's something special that happens and touches people's hearts, and God's able to find a way in and move and speak to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah he does. Um, Tony, I'm curious, what, is, what has your experience been like with this practice of, of confession? Yeah, when it comes to confession, I would say, as a child, I didn't struggle with it that much. My parents will attest I, was, uh, I would cry very easily and was very sorrowful anytime I did anything wrong, uh, almost to the point where it was a, a problem. Um, but as I got older, I, I think... Practical confession versus general confession has been the challenge for me. Mm. As a Christian, it's very easy to get into the habit of just constantly praying like, Lord, forgive me for my sins. But that next step of practical confession is the harder one. Um, and then the second, so confessing my specific sins to God and allowing him to point out areas in my life where I was unaware of sin that I was committing to people, and then actually repenting to the people that it was committed against. Because um, I think we all have this you know, image or even your story of, yeah, kids need to go and apologize. But how many of us have apologized to our bosses or our coworkers when we've you know, cheated them or sinned against them? Um, how many times do I repent of something I did as a husband, but I don't follow up on it with Claire? Because, you know, I prayed about it, so I'm forgiven. Uh, but did I ever actually, like, repent or confess to Claire about it? Um, and so I, I think that's something where I've been challenged with the practice of confession is confession is also meant to affect our world. You know, yes. in the Lord's Prayer, uh, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we confess our sins, we 
reject the world's way and we bring God's kingdom and God's healing to the area that we're confessing in. And yeah. like you're sharing, we show, it isn't a way that we show the world that we are following a different Lord and a different master. So when I confess to my boss or, you know, in our yearly reviews, talk about, hey, I've been pretty bad at like taking longer lunches than I should. To him, everyone does that. I don't need to say sorry about it. But it's a moment where I am choosing that God is my higher master more than the world standard is. Um, and so I think that practical part, that's, that can be hard. Because yes. um, we, like, yeah, you're going to expose things in your life that are long-standing habits that you're like, all right, I got to do this differently. How I maybe talk about people. Uh, gossip is a big one. Mm, yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Tony. I mean, frankly, it kind of sucks. <laughs> like, seriously, it does. When we make a mistake and we have to confess what we did. But, man, the, what you guys both bring out, the, 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 the power of the gospel through that confession is significant. And that humility lays some groundwork for the spirit to work. Yeah, I think an analogy that's, like, stuck with me and helped me yeah. is when we think about the medical community Every time you go to a doctor or an emergency room or a hospital, you confess something that is wrong with you. But you don't confess to receive shame. You confess to receive healing. Mm. I just recently went to my doctor and, you know, have a, a weird bump somewhere. And I did not confess it and my doctor didn't shame me. They gave me healing. They gave me counseling. They were able to bring... Uh, comfort and help to something that was wounded in my body. And I think that's, as Christian, needs to be our foundational thing, that when we go to God, it's for healing, it's for mm. absolution, it's for redemption. It is not for shame. And yeah, every injured part of us that we give to him, he's able to heal and restore and make new, like it says in, I, I believe, Corinthians. So yeah. that's, that's the power of confession, not shame. Yeah, amen, amen. So good. All right. So, guys, as we, we're, we're going to wrap up our time here in a moment. But um, I, we didn't get to see the whole beautiful stick figure drawing. Um, but I'm curious how you guys, after watching the video and having some time to reflect, how have you experienced that kind of rhythm of meditating on God and confession? How has that shaped how you live? Because, you know, Tony, I know you experience that as you are walking your dog, when you're just out doing stuff. Um, dot, same. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I thought that was really great, that diagram that you did. And I'm sorry we didn't get to see it all. But we'll put it somewhere uh, on the internet. It was so, so good, so good. Um, but it reminded me, actually, of uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Hmm. Uh, because, you know, when in meditation, when we're looking at the Lord, and uh, it leads us into a place where we see who he is. Yeah. We see how gracious, how faithful, how loving and kind he is. And what happens in your heart is you worship. You begin to worship him. And, you know, when we behold him, we want to be like him. That's part of it, isn't it? And right. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, can I quote it? Is that okay? Please. Yeah. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror... The glory of the Lord are being changed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So I, I see that diagram and I see that that is that starting point where we are looking 
take in that slow, slow, long look at God through meditating on the word. And when we do, then we begin to see the flaws and the imperfections, just like you said. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next thing is we, we want to humble ourselves before God. We want to confess our sin. We, we want to say, Lord, I just want to be right with you. I want you to deal with this. I thank you, Lord, for showing it to me. We look to the cross We see Jesus there. We see our substitute. We see him dying in our place. And we receive that mercy and forgiveness. And then the the completion of that circle, again, you begin to behold the glory of the Lord. You know, and uh, that has been my experience. And you just put it, I've never seen it that way, the way you described it and drew it. You know, I think that's excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. confession and meditation working together Yes, as spiritual practices. Great. Yes. Thanks, Todd. Tony, do you have anything you want to share with us on that? Yeah, I, I think I, I would echo what Dot says. When, when you start with the character of God, be it his holiness, his justice, his mercy, his grace, it's, that leads into a confession that is renewing and is healing more than shame-driven. Um, I, I think one thing that has sometimes helped with confession is when, say, I'm, I'm struggling with holding on to something, um, and in a time of, like, meditating and talking to God, is God will sometimes take me through to maybe what the end result of that sin is. So if this sin remains hidden, if this sin remains continuous in my life, and that, in a way, is God's mercy and grace. And, and we see that in the Old Testament where God's constantly reminding the people, if you continue in this, this is where you'll end up. And in that moment, I feel such of God's grace that, God, you are keeping me from this result. You are, you are offering me a chance for a way that is better, a way that will have less pain. Um, and I think we see it in our world around us when we see families and marriages, workplaces, relationships, like... It, If we could avoid that, we would. And I think that's the opportunity that we get when we focus on God, that that God in his wisdom can say, I'm pointing out this thing to abound the grace in your life. And the the scripture I think about where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Um, And so there's no amount of sin that I can bring up in a confession time that there will not be enough grace to cover. Mm. Um, And so that is a verse I constantly repeat to myself that the more I feel like I'm bringing my sin to God, God's grace is over and abundant and more in that time than, than anything else. So true. Guys, thank you so much. Do, do you notice how, as, as Tony and Dodge share, um, obviously these, these, pra- these spiritual practices are front and center, but what those things fuel is relationship with God and, and a more profound experience of his grace. Did you notice that? Like in every time they responded, the, the practice of memorization or confession or whatever it may be was a rhythm in order to draw closer to God. And that was always the, the outcome. And then as Dot shared, it becomes the fuel. So I want to encourage you as, as our church community, as we continue to look at more practices in the month of August, and even as you reflect on our conversation from today, the reminder is that these rhythms are rhythms of grace that become fuel and and draw us closer and deeper as we get to know the heart of God and and as we're shaped into his image. Guys, thank you so much. Um, Dot, would you? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, Dot, would you pray pray over us um, as we receive this word? and, um, And yeah, would you just pray over us, please? Thank you.
Father, we just thank you for your precious word. And Lord, we thank you that we have the privilege of being able to open our Bibles and to read it, and Lord, to renew our minds with it. And Father, that's what we want to do. We want to think like you think, so that we can live like you live. And Father, we just commit our way to you. Lord, we believe that you're at work in our lives, every one of us, and we welcome you to do that. Lord, we want you to speak to us. We want you, Lord, to show us when we mess up. Lord, we want to be able to repent, to confess, and to live in harmony with you and harmony with one another. And Father, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness, for who you are, for your amazing love, that when you look at us, Lord, it's with love. It's not, Lord, with accusation, but it's with love. Thank you that we're accepted in Christ. We receive that. We receive your mercy and grace. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to spend more time meditating on your word and to confess when we need to confess, to humble ourselves before you. Thank you, Lord, that you offer grace to the humble. And we just give you thanks for this precious time this morning as we've listened to your word and considered these truths in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.